Hey, are you ready to grow your business? You have checked out the number one resource for business leaders, entrepreneurs, startup founders, and managers. And we're going to teach you how to grow and scale your business with real actionable steps. There's no fluff in this podcast. It's just good advice. Today's episode is brought to you by WP Maintenance Plan. You can find out more at WPMP.org. It's a business that will cover handling the maintenance of your WordPress site. Did you know that in order for your website to show up at the top of Google search listings, it has to be in compliance with a heck of a lot of different standards from optimizing the page, from security fixes, from all sorts of maintenance that I don't want to deal with, you probably don't want to deal with, you probably want to just focus on whatever awesome service you offer to your customers. So offload all of that maintenance, all of that technical stuff to WP Maintenance Plan. They'll take care of it at a 100% satisfaction guarantee for only $49 a month. No WordPress site comes out of the box, even meeting two-thirds of Google's recommendations for what a website needs to have in order to place high on its search listings. So check out WPMP.org to find out more. Check out this episode. If you're a first-time listener, make sure you subscribe to the podcast. And if you enjoy this episode, leave us a five-star review. Today's episode is with Josh McCallan. He's the co-founder of Accountable Equity. He's also the host of the Capital Hacking Podcast. And if you are an entrepreneur, you're a business owner, maybe you're somebody who you're working in your job, but you're looking for a side hustle, some ways to make money, Josh brings the heat today. He talks about how you can actually invest in smart, passive income and have a higher quality of life. I love talking to Josh. He joined the podcast via the PodMax Global Events. Check out this episode. Here comes your good advice. Hey, thanks for checking out another episode of the Good Advice Podcast. We have a little bit of a whirlwind today. I'm sitting down with Josh McCallan, and he and I, we weren't expecting to talk today, but we're about to get into it. Josh McCallan is the host of the Capital Hacking Podcast, which, what the heck are you doing? You got to stop right now. Go check out that podcast. It's a good one, especially if you're an entrepreneur, if you're a startup founder, if you're looking to make more cash flow for your business, this is the guy you got to listen to. Josh is also a, res- a re- resort developer. It's a hard word to say. Well, and, it's hard for everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Josh, I'm just excited to have you on here. You're a pretty unique guest. Hey, you know what? Uh, it's great to be here too. And I, I have a real lot. I have a lot of respect for you, Blake. You were sharing earlier off mic that your new baby is in the next oh, yeah. room over, correct? Oh yeah. She's, she, she is two rooms over with a very loud noisemaker that is hopefully keeping her sound asleep. What do you use? By the way, this is inside baseball, but we have children too. So what are you using for a sound machine? Uh, I actually have no idea. It's something my mom sent us and it's okay. like, it's got a, you can set it on your phone, which is like a godsend. Oh, it's like, if we're not in the room, we can, it's like a little, uh, it almost looks like a, uh, almost like an, a, a, an Alexa, but it's not an Amazon, but you can literally set any sound from your phone, make it louder, make it quieter. Actually, Alexa just heard me yell at her now. Um, but, um, it's working well. I mean, baby's asleep right now, knock on wood. So 
Well, it's, it's cool to talk about baby stuff, Blake, with you. Now, you, you may not have heard this crazy rumor going around, but my wife and I have been married almost 24 years, and we have 10 children, believe it Oh, or my gosh. Excellent. So baby so advice like, helps. Yeah, we need to like totally go a different direction on this podcast. <laughs> and I just need to like just drink up the wisdom because, yeah. man, I got to tell you, here's the deal. Here's the deal. And this is this is true for everything. I mean, and you would know this from like just the entrepreneurial world, but like whenever someone talks about like starting a business, everyone's like, oh, it's so much harder than you think it's going to be. And you, oh my gosh, there's the picture. That is insane. <laughs> well, so people tell you it's harder and you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you're like, oh my gosh, this actually is like, this is so hard. Same thing's true for babies. So many people have been like, man, having a baby is the hardest thing you've ever done. And I'm like, okay, it can't be that hard. And I'm, I'm about almost four months in and I'm like, this is literally the hardest thing I have ever done. This is insane. So, so you have a lovely wife or yep. Yep. Your, her first baby, of course. And her first baby. Yeah. And I always say between you and I, Blake, and do not let your lovely wife hear this. It is way harder to be a lady. Okay. Oh my it's gosh. way that's, harder. To that's be why a lady. I'm venting right now because I can't <laughs> vent to her because she, everything it, it's she's It's way going. harder on her. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so, no, we, we, it helps you and I, if we can see that, we can develop this kind of gratitude for our lovely spouse and, uh, and just watch the magic happen. So, <laughs> bottom line is uh, it is harder, especially baby one. So I will be honest, this is, a, this is pro- for those of you entrepreneurs who are listening to a Blake <laughs> Bin's typical show, this is a little off kilter, but I'm sure you like, you love this kind of weird offside. Yeah, I call it inside yeah. baseball. Sure. But here's the point. Number one's the hardest. Anyone listening to us driving down the highway uh, who loves your show says, yeah, definitely number one's hardest. Why? Because you lived your whole life up until now, cranking, moving, grooving, you create this lovely marriage, and then all of a sudden... The whole world changes because there's actually 100% responsibility for this baby. <laughs> However, and baby two is also kind of challenging, especially if you have them <laughs> relatively child the same age. Baby three, less challenging for us. Baby four, even less challenging. And not only is it because you get a little better, but here's the secret that the older couples don't tell you. Baby one has one focus of their attention, and that's you guys. So there'll never be a minute where you're off until you have baby number two, meaning <laughs> there's nobody to distract baby number one. So yeah. baby one, by far is the hardest. Please do. You're, you're building muscles right now yeah, yeah. and you're, you're getting stronger and you'll do great. I will tell my wife your advice was to keep having more. And we'll I, see. I think so. I'll see you how know, she takes it. <laughs> at least, at least a few, because then you're yeah. giving them the greatest gift, right? I mean, really spouses, no matter how many boats or houses you might think you want to give your kids, they tend to love having a brother, sister the most. So that could that. be the, cool. the biggest wealth factor you could give your kids. Well, Josh, but, uh, let, let's I, I, babies. I know, I know we don't have a lot of time. I want to give the listeners a little bit of a background of how you and I connect, you and I connected. Oh yeah. Uh, right now what's happening is podcast global, excuse me, pod max global. And you and I are both on that event. And so that's how we connect. We literally just connected for the listeners um, only about like eight, eight minutes ago. And already, man, I'm vibing with your energy, Josh. It's obvious that you're a great connector. You do a great job connecting with people. I want to talk a little bit about your podcast, Capital Hacking. Okay. I want to talk about really what you're doing for a living, what you're doing in the entrepreneurial space, and really give you that platform. First of all, talk to me a little bit about what the podcast is all about. 
Yeah. So real quick, we wanted to demystify capital. Eric and I, who, uh, who actually is the founder of PodMax, and you were, you were just referencing PodMax Global is something amazing. If you're driving down the road and you ever wanted to be on a show and you're an entrepreneur, hit podmax.co and you'll find out why it's an incredible platform. And then for you and I as podcast hosts, it's an cr- incredible way for you and I to crisscross the country and crisscross all our wonderful networks because you and I work hard to add value to our network. So back to capital hacking. Uh, we, we built this um, over the course of two years now, um, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people in the community, uh, 127 shows probably. Uh, we've had some uh, powerhouses on the show, including the Robert Kiyosaki Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and he gave us a lot of advice in episode 25. But um, and we've had the Bigger Pockets people, and we've had all kinds of uh, important influencers in our life. And then we've had great people that just teach good old-fashioned ha- uh, wisdom. So back to the title, it meant, see, when uh, a few years ago when I had to learn how to raise capital, so we're talking about financial capital for a minute, it was it was a mystical mystical mystery, <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm. I remember thinking, okay, I know we actually have great expertise in in our world was resort land development. In anybody's world who's listening today, whatever you've been doing for 15, 20 years, you're probably an expert at it right now, or else you wouldn't be listening to the show because you would probably see the people who are listening to your show are seeking growth, mm-hmm. and that means they've already singled themselves out and said, "I want to live." a life with purpose and intention. So those people probably have great skill and developed whatever that expertise is. Perhaps they know how to develop uh, pharmaceutical products. I don't know whatever their gift is, right? What's holding them back from turning their gift and their skill into wealth? Mm-hmm. It's usually the word capital. And until you, so say you're great at building houses and whatever it might be, you have a gift and you actually are stuck because you don't know how to raise capital to do your gift at a higher scale and bring in wealth for your friends, your family, and your constituents. Well, so I, I just said, let's just dive deep into the word capital. Let's, let's pursue what does this mean? How do you put your hands on it? How do you use it for the greater good? And so we've been exploring the, the power of capital and how to get it into your pocket mm-hmm. for years. And the biggest mystery we uncovered in the first 25 episodes was Capital's definition, believe it or not, is power. It's mm-hmm. the ability to, in, uh, to create. So yes, it typically means cash because you can buy something and build something and, and deploy it with marketing, but it actually never starts with cash. This is a, the one big mystery that kind of un, unveiled itself to us was it always begins in the mind. Capital always begins in the mind. So we say human capital precedes cash capital. Therefore, we need to work on us. We need to attract great teams into our lives, collaborate. And as we build all that, we are creating power. Once we've created the power, the financial capital will also come. It'll be part of the networking program we create. And that whole process, we consider it a gigantic hack. And we talk about it every day. Well, it seems like, you know, this is all contingent on self-awareness, Right. I mean, if, if you are actually going to grow yourself and develop yourself, and I'm sure you've had, you know, plenty of conversations with not just aspiring entrepreneurs, but people who are in the thick of it. You know, they've been in business for several years and they've just felt that plateau, you know, where it's like, it's like I, I physically can't work any more hours. I mean, I'm already doing, you know, 60, 80 hour weeks. 
You know, I'm already doing literally everything I can be doing, and yet I cannot seem to break through this ceiling. Right. And I think it comes back to that conversation on self-awareness where it seems like it's hard for people to take not just an honest look at themselves, but also take like the actual steps to move forward. What advice do you have to self, for someone who maybe is feeling that way, is feeling like, man, I, I just, it seems like I can't move my business forward anymore. You know, what, what does that look like for that person? All right. So we, one principle we try to teach because we use it is step back for a second. So this is back to the premise of who you're asking this question for. The avatar is someone who has achieved some success. They've plateaued and they don't know if they want to put the energy in to get to the next plateau. Those people who have any type of success in their life uh, or even just any effort they've put into something, the first way to transform your position is to um, evaluate the cash flow you've created and try to find another revenue stream in your actual cash flow. So this is a very technical question. But one of my favorite things is either putting someone else in business or putting myself into another business line. So I'll use our, our stuff for an example. So we own, uh, my wife and I and the group of hundreds of us now have created an investor group called Accountable Equity. So here we are, we have a podcast. It's all pure, free education, collaboration, get to know us, we'll get to know you. Then we said, in order to do our regular day job, which is building beautiful resorts, turning them around and creating wealth for our investors, we have to actually have investors. So we, we said, if we're going to be building wealth for investors, instead of just going after one rich fat cat, we always say fat cats, <laughs> and asking them for $5 million, we said, what if we said to 100 people, would you like to put in parts of the financial commitment and we'll create a community around you? So we took the effort of financial fundraising. This is a classic capital hacking. Instead of just doing it as, an energy, um, as a chore, meaning we are great at building these resorts, let's raise money, and uh, we'll go to these five families that are we're super wealthy. No, we said, what if we step back and create an education community that has value and in that community bring these deals to them? Now we've created a second company. So we've actually helped ourselves plateau at an exponential rate because instead of the effort of financial fundraising being a chore for our resort company, it's actually its own company. Now, what I try to explain to people on our show is the energy is the same. So it took the same human capital to go out and find people that wanted to invest as it did to create a business called Accountable Equity. But now Accountable Equity has its own financial books. It has its own balance sheet. It has wealth. It, it has created wealth for, it is its own asset. Okay, mm. that's an interesting thing. What assets can you create out of your own cash flow? Because once you create multiple cash flow assets or assets that your cash is creating. So in an old-fashioned classical way to do this, so I give you my example in the world of fundraising. Instead of just fundraising, we created a community of fundraisers and a community of fundraising, all self-perpetuating, has its own value and maybe has more value than the resort business. And yet it was, <laughs> it was a function yeah. of our first job. Two, the, here's another example to make it even more concrete. So um, we'll use building because we all at least live in houses. So we know how houses are built somewhat. We've watched it on HGTV. When you are a builder, you um, have this interesting control, like a GC. 
you're, you're directing hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars. So what I've seen happen successfully, I call it the classic capital hack, is a GC will have 10 house contracts. They will then have a plumbing contractor and electric contractor. They could either negotiate with those current contractors and say, I'd like a portion of your company in exchange for the next 10 house contracts. You can actually trade equity in someone else's company in order to get contracts. Now, um, we're assuming that all this is disclosed and there's no conflict of interest. Right. Um, but, but there's another way to do it, even more powerful way, is you have known this young plumbing brother team, okay, for years. And they work for a big professional shop in downtown the city you live nearby. And they, they've dreamed about going on their own. Someday they're going to go on their own. You then say to them, I have 10 contracts right now. You go ahead and become your own company. We'll give you the contracts in exchange. I'd like 25% of your company. And basically what you've done is you've put them in business. You've created a financial asset that has its own intrinsic value. It costs you nothing more because you negotiated the best possible price. They've made a great living and they've created not only a good living because their hands are twisting pipes and that means they're getting big checks, but the profit of their work is going into a company. The company now has a multiple and it's now worth a couple hundred thousand dollars. Mm -hmm. So where did that couple hundred thousand dollars come from? Just by putting the program together. So capital hacking is, is it's hard to, at first to uh, realize how straightforward this is, but it's been being done. You're in, it's been being done around you your entire life. Any, anytime you have a contract to give out, you could either put somebody in business or create an equity position for yourself, especially if it has scale and repetitive nature. So anyway, very, I hope that was a lot there. I hope it wasn't too much. No, I'm just, uh, I'm, I'm, it's amazing I'm, what you can do with. with yeah. With, I think what I'm taking from it is I'm thinking like, man, this is a real, this is a real muscle to train. Like a, to have the, the forethought of mind to, you know, you, you know, you need these contracts done anyway. And to find an op sort of, a, it's not even just a silver lining. It's, it's how do I now, instead of me just spending money, how am I flipping this into a way where I'm getting a, a guaranteed return? It's pretty clever. I mean, it's, and it, it seems like a mental um, muscle. You, it is. And that's why we called it capital hacking because there's like three or four of these types of major principles that the wealthy have always used. For example, another friend of mine does different type of real estate, like mega, mega commercial buildings where they buy skyscrapers, basically, and uh, well, 20, 30-story office complexes. And of course, it takes hundreds of millions of dollars to do that, right? So here's this guy. He did it the opposite way. He needed to, uh, he knew how to run those and to financially negotiate the purchase. He had no money. So he goes to these mega wealthy families. This is the opposite of my model. As a matter of fact, I was learning from him and I felt, we, I think there's a better way. <laughs> so you go, he, he went to those, watch how different this is. He went to those families and said, we have this awesome price on this big building and we're going to buy five of them over the course of two years. Would you like to be our capital partner in all of them? And they said, sure. And watch what they said. And we'll take half your, we'll take 90% of your company. Mm. So we'll give you the money because you're right. And we're going to make all the profit first. And we're going to take your company that brought us this deal and we'll be in charge of your company ultimately. So they used their same choice. They were going to invest anyway. They were either going to give it to Wall Street. They were either going to buy their own buildings or they were going to let Jimmy John over there 
pick out the buildings and buy the buildings. So they decided, you know what, we're going to let Jimmy John do it. Jimmy John find a building. He gets to have some wealth. He's creating wealth, but we're, we're basically in charge of everything. So uh, instead of that, what we did is we created an equitable community and we all get to share in profits, you know, pro rata, they say. Very powerful. So all of this was new to me two years ago. And all it is is a muscle you have to develop. And that's why we have a fun show. Well, and do you ever have people who, because um, this, this is a bit different spin, especially when we talk about raising capital, like the startup world, for example, there isn't really this added layer of complexity of like, and it's, it's sort of like, how do I guarantee my investment? How do I find another route just in terms of what I'm spending to bring in some more passive income? But like in the startup world, for example, people, it's almost kind of a cliche. People are feverish around finding capital, raising capital. And it's basically who who can I beg from? Like who can I exactly? Who can I just it's give, usually give who can money? I beg? Right. Well, and it and it's kind of gotten to this point where now whenever we talk about like growing a or scaling a startup, the immediate next question is you know what's your what does your fundraising slide deck look like or like what is all the what do those conversations look like? And there's really not any intelligence to it beyond just how well can you be a salesperson? And so exactly. it feels like you're adding this added layer of complexity that I think would benefit a, a multitude of businesses, but especially that startup community. Well, let's talk about the startup community because I have a certain strategic <laughs> advantage over them. Uh, they're talking about an idea, a product, a new innovation, a service schedule, whatever they're talking about is valuable. Let's assume they're right. Um, they're right. You and I have a crystal ball. We know five years from now that business works. Hmm. Today, only you and I know that. And we're watching them go around and present that to Billy Bob, wealthy family, Susie Joe, wealthy family. Which, 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 by the way, they are the people that they're getting fundraising for is doing exactly what you're just saying. Like a friend of mine was on Shark Tank and literally that's, that is the Shark Tank model is yes, I will invest. And, and exactly what you said, I want this percent of your company. Um, yep. Well, anyway. that's good old fashioned buying equity. Yeah, that's buying equity. And what we're, we're doing, what you could almost think of my capital hacking strategy is that first and then uh, forced appreciation. So by giving the, a little different, it's actually similar on Shark Tank. When they buy into that business, they're creating forced appreciation because what they're saying is my Mark Cuban brand will <laughs> change the brand I just bought. Therefore, I've generated a new level of revenue. Therefore, it's worth more. And I kind of guarantee that because mm. it's my brand. That's how that yeah. works. Yeah, yeah. Um, you and I can do the same thing. Now, back to the startup for a technology innovation. Very challenging. I will admit, harder than what I do. So that's part of uh, that maybe they could learn from what we're doing that what we in the, okay, let me give you an example. What we're talking about is backed by a real hard asset called real estate. So in my world, I get to create businesses, and this is the other ultimate hack. We get to create multiple businesses that live on a piece of real estate. We don't ever have to raise the money to start all those businesses, meaning management companies, sales companies. Those companies exist because we bought the real estate. So to paradigm shift here, it is much more appealing to more investors if you have a business that has a real estate component. So if I was an entrepreneur that had an innovation, perhaps I would raise the capital to use my innovation in a real estate way. 
Mm. Perhaps it's within a building. Perhaps it's within a, a, it's, it's a rental contract for a building. Some innovation where we get to use the metrics of real estate because there's an interesting difference between raising money for a startup software business and a piece of real estate. A piece of real estate comes with all kinds of privileges like mortgages are easier. Uh, you can get a lot of debt to equity. And then you can explain to the investor, great news, you're, you're investing with us because you love our technology. Great news, we're using this piece of real estate to launch our technology and the real estate alone secures your money. Mm. So yes, you're part of the team on the startup, but your money's safe. Mm. So that's one twist that's pretty complicated. We'll have to have you, uh, you know, deep dive with us on a different time. But <laughs> bottom line is real estate has intrinsic value and, an and therefore it, it usually can't go to zero. Whereas a startup idea has speculative value and can easily go to zero. So when they give you that $100,000, there's a whole different scale that they're using. They would much rather give you $250,000 if it was had some real estate component, because at least most of that 250 is coming back. If you're asking for 250 and it's purely a speculative launch, they, they have to say in their mind, it's gone. Mm -hmm. So that you've got to come over, it's a whole different scale. So this doesn't work for everybody, but if you're listening to this and you have an innovation, but you can employ a real estate component into your innovation, your number of investors just went from two that you know in your Rolodex to 40. Well, I mean, that's a, that's well, a I mean, you're talking about, you're talking about tangibility. I mean, yeah. for a multitude of startups, unfortunately, and I, and I love the startup world. I work in the startup world. There, there's no issue with, uh, you know, I don't want anyone to feel insecure about their, their startup now, but there's not a lot of tangibility in the startup world. You know, there's, there's a lot of, I have this incredible innovation in my mind, or, you know, we've jumped on whatever is the shiny object and this feels really exciting and there's a great startup book called The Mom Test. That's basically basically what it talks about is um, you have to get honest feedback from your customers instead of just, just talking to your mom about how great your idea is. And I love what you're talking about, the angle of fundraising, because really you're creating something concrete that, you're, that your prospective people can really get behind, um, which is, you know, again, it's, it's, it's a layer of muscle memory that I think a lot of us don't naturally go to. Uh, and I don't know how you feel about this, but it feels like in the digital world, it's, it's not really our fault to think that because there are startup people online who were talking about, yeah, I just made the PowerPoint deck and I found, you know, $20 million worth of investing. It's easy. And by the way, I'll sell you the deck for, you know, a thousand bucks, you know, things like that, that I think doesn't, it doesn't help the dynamic too much. So. There is another, well, without a doubt that that has happened and we all know that, there's been phenomenal success stories from fundraising for technology. Um, but I definitely think it's the more of a unicorn situation. I, I think yeah. that's more uncommon. But, than but no common. one wants, no one thinks that that's the case. I don't say no one, everyone thinks they are the next unicorn. Right? right. And that's, and that's just not just for startups. I think it's anyone's businesses, right? Everyone thinks that their business is going to be the next, whatever the next Facebook, the next, what have you, you want to know the number one hack you could do if you have a true innovation. So back to, I, I told you one strategy might be component. If it can have a value to real estate, it has to be somehow synonymous. You have to figure out a way to make that synonymous. Great. Let's assume 90%. That's not going to work. The other 90%, the number one hack to make your startup based on technology or innovation or service successful in fundraising is to buy a business. Mm. 
So this is one of the best innovations those people that have intangible assets can do. Now, how do you buy a business? So if you have it, let's use some uh, paradigms. Name one industry that you've, you've had a friend that had a PowerPoint deck to raise capital. What industry? Not the specific product. Uh, food, food delivery. To your door, food, food delivery. delivery. Anything else? Yeah. Food delivery. <laughs> food delivery, you'd have to buy some kind of fleet of trucks or something. Yeah, buy. yeah. Uh, let me think of what else. Um, moving company. Moving company. Well, that's yeah. obviously, you, they have an innovation to make it more affordable or something? Yeah, uh, they have an app where basically you take pictures in your house and they will, on your behalf, they will be the go-between to contractors. Okay, that's so easy and straightforward. I'm so glad you said that. The number one thing that family should do who came up with that idea is make 10 offers on 10 moving companies this year. Make 10 offers by, it, just like buying a house. You contact all the, the moving companies you can in whatever tri-state region that you're willing to set up your office and you just say, hey, I'm looking to buy a moving company. Why buy a moving company? We, we're trying to do an app, right? Well, here's the trick. If I, just like real estate, if you come to me and say, can I have $250,000 and I'll give you an equity position in this moving company that's throwing up $400,000 a year, you'll, you should be able to have your money back in five years. And it's an asset that's been around for 30 years because it's called grandpa's moving. <laughs> I'd be like, show me the numbers. I'm buying. Why? Because there's, there's actual cash flow today. And I can trust that the cash flow can continue if you mm. run it right. By the way, when you buy grandpa's moving, you don't actually fire everybody. As a matter of fact, you hopefully don't fire anybody but grandpa. He, he leaves because he's ready to go on retirement. So you, you buy grandpa's moving, two of the family members want to retire. You still have three really great people there. You keep them. Their salaries are being paid by the contracts for the next year. While those contracts are happening, a bunch of monkeys are running around in a gerbil box or gerbils are running around in a gerbil thing over here creating the app. Guess what money they're using for the app? The startup money, the working capital fundraising money and the off-throwing cash flow of the business. Mm. Over here, it's gerbils going three, $400,000 into their gerbil wheel. Where? Where'd it come from? It came from the business. Mm. And, it, and the reason Jimmy John and Susie Joe invested in the business, they actually believe in your app. They believe in it, but they'll give you the money because you're going to give them some asset that has cash flow today. Mm. And guess what you're going to say to them? Great news, Jimmy John. We're not going to give you any of the cash flow today. You are investing because we're trying to launch this app. So we're going to keep all the cash flow in-house. And we're going to spend two years of no cash flow distributions to you, Jimmy John. But in, the, in return, after that, you have preference on your return of money. So you gave us $250,000. You're getting all of it before we get a dollar. You're getting 10% on your money. So you'll get 10% on your two fifty, And two $250,000, we raised a million bucks. So that means you own one quarter of our limited partnership, okay? And that limited partnership, now you do have to file this with the government, but that limited <laughs> partnership, we own the other 40. So it's an eight or it's an eight part limited part, four parts, which mean we're selling 50% of the equity mm. for this $1 million. We're keeping 50% for us, but our 50% is not going to cash flow positive until you have all your money back. That deal will swim every day. I love it. And Jimmy John and Sally Sue will actually look at your PowerPoint and you'll have that deal done by Christmas. Yeah. See, now there's interest in the PowerPoint, right? Because there's yeah. something concrete you've built with it. But they're not interested in buying Grandpa's loan. They, tomorrow, if you just say, let's go buy Grandpa's 
moving truck company, they may not be that interested, but they have an interest because there's an innovation you're overlaying on top of it. And why do you want to own Jimmy uh, Grandpa's moving company? Because your app is useless to the world until you prove it. Mm -hmm. So you're going to use your app in your company simultaneously. By the way, you own two LLCs. You own AppStar Moving and you own Jimmy uh, Grandpa's Moving. Mm -hmm. Now, Grandpop's moving, you change to an innocuous name over time, something like ABC Moving Company America. Right. And over here, you keep it appstarmoving.com. And both LLCs are, st are living at the same address. By the way, you probably bought the address. Remember, I told you to buy some real estate. You probably bought Moving Company's headquarters in Cincinnati or wherever, Ohio, and, or in Philly, where I live. <laughs> and you got all their trucks and you got their cash flow. It's a freaking amazing shift of paradigm. Simultaneously, the, the hamster wheel's running. You're trying to create the app. Two years later, the app turns out it didn't work out. And everybody's like, well, what do we do now? You sell Grandpop's land, um, moving company for $150,000 over what you paid for it. You give back all their money. They lost nothing. You go and try to start another startup. Yeah, I love it, man. Now, it's, it's important we point out that this episode is not sponsored by Jimmy John's. Oh, Since, oh is that a place? You don't know Jimmy John's? No. Oh my gosh, man. It's That's a, my nickname for rich guys. <laughs> it's a sim, it's a sub shop. It's a national uh, sub Jim shop. Jim John's sub shop. Well, well I we're think, in Philadelphia, man. They're, this they're is probably where, like, in the subs south. were created. Yeah. <laughs> this so is I where think, the cheese I think they're in from. the south, so I don't I don't know, but I will say I was in Philly and I did have a cheesesteak and it was as good. I don't know if that's like an obnoxious tourist thing like going to uh, Times Square in New York, mm, but great. it was it was pretty delicious. Um, we we are running out of time. I want to ask you one more thing. You know, we're talking about investing, man, we're, we're having a really high level. Like I wish we had more time to really get down to the nuts and bolts of this. Cause this is, I can tell that there's so much, there's simplicity to this, but there's so many layers that you can unpack during COVID right now. We, we, which I don't know when people are going to listen to this. Hopefully this isn't too far in the future and people are like, oh yeah, COVID. So glad that whole thing's over with, but you know, talking about COVID, there's a lot of fear when we talk about spending money, you know, where your money goes. Uh, a lot of businesses, some businesses are killing it right now. Like I have a client who literally, they've never made more money ever. And ironically enough, they are in real estate. It's funny that we're talking about this now, mm -hmm. but there's companies that are really wary of spending money. What does that look like from, from a capital hacking perspective when there's fear in the market? How do you encourage people to still be hungry, to still be optimistic, to still look for opportunities? What does that look like right now during COVID? Yeah, this is an energy that you have to just decide if you want to work on this energy. But the energy is this. There's nothing good or bad until you compare it to something else. Or, or is every crisis an opportunity? That kind of question, you just have to decide. Or do you have the energy to do that? Do you have the energy to say, the world thinks it's this way. If I do what the world says, I will stay poor like the world. Mm. Or do I have the energy, the guts, the balls to say, if everybody thinks one way, what if I think the opposite way? What does that do? So truthfully, the coronavirus thing to me is um, hopefully over soon. But it has created for our business where we buy distressed uh, resorts and turn the whole company around in mega scale. It's the generational time. It's, it's a once in a generational time for me. Mm. So we are about to raise $10 million hopefully this year. We're probably going to raise $40 million over the next two years. 
And we plan on buying legacy properties that no one has been able to afford for 10, 15, 20 years because the prices have been too high. So we are going to strike while the iron's hot. And uh, it's it literally, it depends what your industry is, but I imagine it's the world's best time right now to be an entrepreneur. Because I, I teased you earlier, but people need to make another major shift. Every single one of your friends and colleagues that says, I want to do a startup needs to say, add the concept of what if I buy a business and do my startup within it? That premise will create more wealth in the next few years than anything else we can talk about on these podcasts because there's so many businesses for sale right now. And they're, the reason they're for sale is because grandpa's tired, grandma's tired, and you and I are not tired. So why don't we just make an offer to buy their business? I love it. Josh McAllen on the podcast today. Josh, what can my listeners go do right now to connect with you? Uh, what does that look like to follow you? What, what's the best way for people to- Well, to, it's a pleasure. Stay tuned? It's a, you and I share these type, whatever we can do to help, we love it. Um, the best way to join our life and our community is probably if you're serious about learning these principles and becoming more of an investor yourself, just go to accountableequity.com, accountableequity.com spelled out. Feel free. It doesn't cost anything to get on the list. Find out when we're doing events. It's they're world class. Two, just enjoy a nice capital hacking podcast. It's on iTunes, you know. I love it. I love it, Josh. Thanks for joining today. I really appreciate it. You're the best, man. Thanks, Blake. Uh, for the listeners, I'll be sure to put a link to the Capital Hacking podcast as well as the website accountableequity.com down in the episode description. Hey, if you are a first-time listener, what the heck are you waiting on? Click that subscribe button so you can keep getting good advice to your wherever you are, in your car, at your house, uh, in your business. And hey, make sure you check out the rest of the PodMax episodes. We bring in a couple more to you this weekend. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you later.